Welcome to the Global Health Rehabilitation Initiative Podcast from the School of Physical and Occupational Therapy, McGill University, also known as the GHRI. Today I will be speaking with physiotherapist Dr. Sean Cleaver. He's currently a postdoctoral fellow here at the School of Physical and Occupational Therapy. The GHRI podcast hosts guests who work in the field of global health and rehab and are short interviews conducted with their Global Health Forum speakers. Both the podcasts and the forums are venues for the GHRI, GHRI to engage rehab students and faculty to current topics and pressing issues in the field. And ultimately, we'd like to show how they can get involved. All the podcasts can be found on the McGill School of Physical and Occupational Therapy website under the Global Health Rehabilitation Initiative tab. My name is Monica Slanik, and I will be hosting this podcast. Welcome, Sean. It's a real pleasure to be here. Happy to have you here and happy to hear about your story and your GHRI journey. So I'd like to start from the beginning. Can you please tell me about your education, your education path, and what led you to global health? In the beginning, that that feels like a a very big question. I I will go back all the way to say that I grew up in Niagara Falls, Ontario, for, for what that's worth. And I started my university training at the University of Ottawa, where I studied physiotherapy. After that, I worked as a physio for a few years, and it was during that period that I began to become more active in global health. And that gave me the bug to go back and do further studies. So after three years of working as a physio, I returned to do a Master's of Epidemiology at Queen's University. Once again, went back to the field and worked mostly as a physio. And then I went to the University of Toronto where I did a PhD in rehabilitation science and global health. That was the last degree that I did before joining you here at McGill. Okay. And just out of curiosity, what area did you work in as a physio? Way back at the beginning of my career, I worked in outpatient orthopedics in Gatineau, Quebec. And then I worked again in Canada in Northern Ontario in Mushkegwak Cree Territory in Moose Factory as a locum physiotherapist doing just about everything that needed to be done. Oh wow, that must have been interesting. It was a really interesting experience and I was there for five months and at the time I felt like I was on a watershed because in parallel I had some commitments in Haiti and I was wondering should, should I fulfill those commitments in Haiti or should I just stay in Moose Factory? As things went, I ended up going back to Haiti and spending a lot of my time there. I, well, it sounds like you had some valuable time and you were appreciated probably in Haiti. Yeah, that period was really transformative for me. Mm. Well, does you? I'm just going to come back to what you have here because I think yeah. it relates probably to mm-hmm. Haiti. Uh, you currently have a Steinberg Global Health Postdoc Fellowship here with us at McGill. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us about the work that's involved with that and does it relate to your past work or to Haiti. Okay, Uh, let let me start off by talking about what I'm doing now. So uh, my my work these days is focused in Zambia and I do research together with persons with disabilities in two different parts of the country. For a few years now I've been working in Western Province which is a more isolated part of Zambia. To travel there I, I need to go through a national park. It takes me about eight or nine hours on the bus to reach from from the capital. And in that place, I'm mostly working with people with disabilities who live in villages. So that's one aspect in Western Province. The other aspect, I just started as a focus when I came to McGill, and that is collaborating with disability advocates as well as policymakers 
to further investigate how disability policy is made in Zambia and to try to figure out where research can fit together with advocacy to see to it that there's a really progressive and robust disability policy. Now you also asked about how my past work led to this. And the bridge between what I'm doing now and my past work, especially in Haiti, was through my PhD. During my work in Haiti, I spent some time in the capital, in Port-au-Prince, as well as in the countryside, in an area called the Artibonite Valley. Most of my time was spent developing rehabilitation services, but I did see patients a fair amount, in part because it was interesting to me and in part because I felt that my work developing rehab services was strengthened by being on the ground. And I realized during that time of providing patient care that the way my patients understood disability, health, healthcare, and society was really different from the way that I'd been brought up and the way that I'd been trained as a physiotherapist. So those experiences caused me to ask a lot of questions about how we in the rehabilitation professions might think about what we do differently so that it will be more appropriate for people like those who live in rural Haiti. Now, with those questions, that led me to my PhD, working with Stephanie Nixon at the University of Toronto, And how I ended up in Zambia is as simple as it was there that Stephanie was doing her work. So I was able to build upon the partnerships that she had with disabled persons organizations in Zambia that eventually led me to, we can say, put some roots down in that country. Hmm. Is this, so in Haiti, is this also where you met your supervisor here at McGill? No, it wasn't. I, I work with, primarily with Matthew Hunt. In spot, uh, Matthew's a physiotherapist by background, and he and I know each other through the physiotherapy and global health circuit, I guess we can say. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I, I won't speak to Matthew's work in, in a lot of detail, but he has also worked in Haiti on a bit of a parallel track as compared to me. Matthew started working in Haiti about the time that I was finishing up. I, I was mostly devoted to Haiti between 2003 and 2010. Uh, After the earthquake, I stayed for one more year, and it was at that time that I I felt I should make a change, and I I began my PhD in 2011. It was was about that time, 2010, 2011, that Matthew started working there. Okay. I'm always, I'm asking because I'm always amazed how um, the collaborations happen within global health. That's true. A lot of the time, I suspect it's more by epiphany rather than, than by design. <laughs> and Well, they all lead to something meaningful. They do. And a lot of the career stages that I've taken are because of the people that I've met. So the, the collaborations were really, really important. Excellent. So I guess that there's truth or, you know, they, they say to always be nice to whoever you meet. You never know when you're, you will run into them again. And I think maybe in global health, this is... It's something that happens and something that's also important to to keep all the collaborations healthy and moving forward. In some ways, it's a very small world, which further reinforces what you've said. And it's a world that's built to a large extent on relationships and collaborations. So both of those points make that particularly relevant for global health. So in meeting all of these people or working in all these different places, was there... 
um, one meaningful experience or an inspirational person that kind of made you stop and think, okay, this is what I'm meant to be doing and, and this is where I'm meant to be doing it. Early in my career, I had the distinct pleasure of interacting with Rachel Thibault, who is an occupational therapist at the University of Ottawa. She just recently retired, as we're talking in August of 2018. And Rachel came and gave us a lecture for three hours one day. As physiotherapy students, we didn't see her very often. But she was talking about things in a way that was completely different from all of the rest of our course material from all of my other professors emphasizing the involvement of rehabilitation outside of Canada's borders together with communities in partnership with people and her message was very influential to me and I, I held on to that about a year after graduating I sent Rachel an email to ask for her advice on, on how I might pursue a, a career doing something similar to her and her email response was, I am not answering your question by email. I think you should come to my house for tea. And beyond Rachel as an example of the type of work she did, the way that she's, she carries herself and how she's stayed open to communication in the 15 years since that initial exchange has been really inspiring to me. And... It was really influential in the direction that I took and, and how I've taken it. Hmm. So again, a collaboration and a, and a relationship. That... I, I suppose that this is a theme. I, I yeah. hadn't thought of it so clearly. Over a cup right. of tea, not even over a cup <laughs> <Indeed>. of coffee. <laughs> not three cups of tea. It just took one cup of tea. Yeah. Okay. Um, you mentioned you know, she was can she's Canadian, right? She is, yes. Yeah. So you work with different populations, not just Canadian populations, different populations around the world. What would you say this means for Canadians or what our Canadian population? What can they take from your work or learn from you? From the, the work I'm doing these days, the clearest aspect that I think can be translated to the Canadian context is the process of doing the work of carefully building up relationships, trying to incorporate multiple perspectives at an early stage, and staying true to that going forward. Uh, especially as a researcher, there is a tendency to become embedded in the literature. We're always using these expressions of knowledge gaps and things that we don't know in the literature. And I truly think that those are important, but that that not always need to be the starting point of the work that we do. And in Canada, where we are seeing many negative effects to inequality in our country, where we are in a period of reconciliation, a lot of these problems, I think, occur from not... A lot of these problems occur from decision-makers not having gotten on board with all of the relevant stakeholders at early stages. So beyond my interest being in disability and rehabilitation in Southern Africa, in Zambia, the, the process of doing this with multiple stakeholders is something that I think can be applied in the Canadian context. Interesting. I hope relevant stakeholders are listening moving forward in we're, Canada. We're we always hoping. <laughs> um, how have your ideas of global health changed over the years since you started? Substantially is the first way that I would answer that question. When I began my career, 
I was really excited about the skills that I had learned as a physiotherapist and very cognizant that many places in the world were void of physiotherapy care and a lot of people didn't have access to it. One of the first transitions that I made with respect to understanding global health was through my profession, and that was to say that maybe physiotherapy doesn't need to look the same everywhere in the world, and that we can approach it differently in different places for different purposes, but it can be equally relevant. And that that viewpoint, I think, can be expanded to global health as well, and that a, a lot of us who are interested in global health come through this channel of the healthcare professions that have been designed primarily for the systems in which we were trained. For example, physiotherapy training in Canada is primarily done to train people to work as physiotherapists in Canada, and that that affects our worldview. But being able to start to think of physiotherapy as something that is more international and therefore might be expressed in different ways internationally, I think that we can also think of healthcare more broadly in those ways. And that already, it, it expands how we think about global health. And it, I, I went through that transition of, of thinking about my profession and global health through those lenses. Mm-hmm. Another thing that changed for me over time was the extent to which I differentiated global health as being an aspect of healthcare as opposed to being something bigger. Mm. From my own experience, it was really clear that the things that we could do as part of healthcare in physiotherapy, etc., were, were small pieces in people's lives, in lives that were affected by socioeconomic states, especially people who are experiencing a lot of poverty in lives that are affected by life opportunities, racism of national borders, making it harder for for people to pursue their interests, making it harder for them to pursue their dreams. And that it's possible to think of a global health that incorporates all these upstream influences that are really, really important to people's health-related states. So as time has gone on, my, my consideration of what global health is has expanded greatly as I incorporate these other aspects into the model. So if I'm thinking, if I'm putting myself in one of our students' shoes, so somebody who's studying, you know, to become a physiotherapist here in Canada, and they're interested in the idea of working abroad or just interested in, in global health and, in, in, you know, healthcare beyond, beyond Canada... Um, what would you recommend for them to do? Is there a course, or would you recommend for them to read something, get involved? Something simple. <laughs> oh, no. My, my reflex on this is to go towards the not simple, but I'll, I'll try to cycle back to the simple. Give a and, simple and a non-simple answer. Okay, all right, 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 right. Well, I'll, I'll start with the non-simple. Or I, I think it sounds non-simple, but maybe it is simple, okay. and that is to, to get excited about learning. And there, there are two specific ways that I'll recommend. One is to become excited to learn about oneself and one's background. So sometimes people put the label of cultural humility on this, mm. that in order to understand our position relative to people from other cultures, that we need to know our position and see it as a position instead of it just being what's normal. So that, that's one thing, learning about oneself and one's background. Another aspect is learning in dialogue. And we we were talking a lot about relationships and collaborations earlier. 
global health can be seen as very broad. I think it's wise to see it as something that's broad. And because of that, it can incorporate multiple fields. It can incorporate multiple countries. In a lot of cases, it should. It should incorporate a lot of perspectives. And one head cannot contain all knowledge. So because of that, the, I think that the learning can be best done in interaction with people where we learn together. And that's the, the main part of what I consider dialogue to be. Now, I see that as non-simple. Do you... Yeah, it's a little more, more complex. Yeah, abstract, I guess. a little more involved. Yeah. Um, but not too difficult for a student to do. Yeah. I think coming to our global health forums and reaching out to professors who are involved in global health, arranging for a tea, having a simple conversation when everybody has time, and something that I, I do ask this question of mm-hmm. a lot of speakers, and it's funny because you all very often say to sit and reflect and think about your own self. Uh, I see that as a common theme. When I'm, I'm always expecting like, okay, take this course, go here, volunteer here. But it's something, it begins with reflection. And I think that's actually really interesting. Yeah, thank you. I, I can't speak for everyone else, but I am really concerned about being too directive, mm. especially since my own evolution has involved a, a lot of different twists and turns, depending on who I've met. I, I do fully endorse the notion of sitting for a tea, working close, trying to find opportunities to work together with people. And I suppose that the more simple element of that is reaching out to people mm-hmm. so that it's possible to then have the tea, to right. approach them to ask the question. And I'll, I'll go back to my own story. Rachel Sibo was very excited that I approached her. And I'm now at a stage where I'm very excited where people approach me. And that, that seems to be a common demeanor in global health, that, mm-hmm. that people are excited about this, want to share what they do, and will be excited for those who come and talk to us. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you for telling us about your journey, your story. And we will, I mean, I'm definitely going to look out for your work and see how I can keep up with your progress and find out uh, how everything's going. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. No problem. I wish you the best on everything you do in the future. Thank you to our listeners, our students, and do remember to visit the McGill Spot Global Health tab.